You're listening to Girls in Glory. Girls in Glory is a podcast giving you a 360-degree view of women's sport. This podcast will bring you the stories from the best female athletes, as well as giving you access to the support staff that help these women perform at their peak. You'll also hear from the media personalities who've been championing the women's game and the administrators and key decision makers who have been kicking the women's sport movement forward. I'm your host, Holly Ferling. I'm a cricketer, a journalist, and a lover of all things women's sport. Our next guest needs no introduction. Megan Shute was the number one T20 bowler in the world leading into this World Cup and her clutch performances in the final round against New Zealand has got Australia to the semi-finals. Shooter joins us for another hack episode where she talks about the pressures of playing at the international level, how her personal life has changed the way that she plays and what exactly it takes to win a World Cup. Let's get into it. Well, Megan Shute, thanks for joining me on the Girls and Glory podcast. I know that you're very busy preparing for this World Cup coming up. Um, yeah, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bright and early. That's it. That's it. Well, you're here with a bit of a training camp before your, your warm-up matches. Um, I guess it's a perfect opportunity to pick your brain about the way that you go about your preparation and how you, I guess, are going into this World Cup and also how do you go about winning a World Cup as well. So I guess if we take it back to the start, What's your best training tip? What what gets the best out of you when you're out at the training park? I think uh, it's kind of cliche, um, but being really prepared in a sense of knowing what you're actually trying to get out of that session, I think for me, just reminding myself to give maximum effort. Um, I think when you do cricket as a job, you can kind of get in the routine of just going about things the same old ways and, and ticking a box sort of thing. So when you truly want to get something out of it, um, sometimes you do have, for myself, you have to remind yourself that this needs 100% of the effort. Um, and so for me, whenever I have something crucial to work on, I know that I'm going to focus that little bit more. And because what does a training day look for you? Is it pretty monotonous in, I guess, repetitive what's happening or particularly coming into this World Cup, is it slightly different? Um, it's all over the shop pretty much once we get into a World Cup since there's going to be a lot of other teams around. Um, our training sessions are going to change, gym Gym times are going to change. Um, everything gets thrown around, which it already kind of has with the weather today um, at AB. But um, for us, obviously, we want to kind of make sure the players are just feeling good. I think we've done all the basics by the time we get into a World Cup. You, as a bowler and a batter, you probably don't want to be working on something fresh once you're in a World Cup. So um, it's just about getting the little things right. And, you know, we talk about our plans a lot. So it's just executing them in practice before we get out in the match. And what's something that's changed the way that you perform you've obviously reached the heights that you have in in t20s you're the number one ranked bowler what's kind of been the turning point do you think in in changing the way that that you go out there and compete I'm just happier um I think you know finding the love of my life kind of helped but also just relaxing with my cricket I think going onto that field and realizing that cricket isn't the be all and end all and if I have a bad day today it's not going to make me a bad person and it's not going to mean that everything else turns to crap as well so I think just stepping out on that field knowing what my role is knowing I'm in decent nick um, and just going out there and doing the best I can and really trying to brush off if I have a mistake and and especially in T20 your good balls are probably going to go for four as well Um, it's just being able to brush that off and get on with the next ball. And you are a competitive person. Um, I like to look at different athletes as well and, and the way that they step over that that white line and, and whether it's a white line fever, their competitive mindset and kind of what it is. We've seen some bowlers that are really fiery, others that are a bit more chill. What would you say is your ultimate competitive mindset? What is it that 
helps you to to compete at the top of your mark? Um, I just want to win. I think, yeah, as I said, there's going to be days where, you know, it doesn't go so well for me, um, but the team goes well. But in a sense, everything I'm doing at the top of my mark is to kind of put the team in a better position. And it's really cliche, but I think as a bowler, at least you have six opportunities and over to kind of do that. And I think for me, just making sure I'm putting us in the best position possible. Um, I'm not overly fiery at moments. Um, It can get the better of me, but I don't know. I'd rather be out there and be happier. I think, you know, if Midge is cracking jokes behind the gloves and and things like that, then I'm going to be a bit calmer at the top of my mark. And I kind of love when a batter's coming hard at me because it means it's going to be a pretty good challenge and I I can get bored quite easy. So um, I think for me, if they're coming at me hard, then at least I know that I've got to be switching on every ball. And then routines are a massive part of, of being an elite athlete. What does your routine look like leading into a match, but also on game day between balls? What is it that gets you into the right frame of mind, but also being able to prepare, uh, prepare and perform at your best? Um, I'm not too OCD. I'm not as bad as batters. I think they're extremely superstitious. It's kind of annoying. Um, but the night before, I love to wash my hair and shave my legs. Very female man. Um, get a good night's rest and really hydrate. They're probably the only things that I do the night before a match. Um, morning of, I like to get to the ground as early as possible. I hate being rushed, so I will always be on the early bus. Um, I pretty much do the same thing every time with I get changed into my training shirt put my sunscreen on, put my hair in the right pony to fit my hat, get strapped, go out, mark my run up and then have a kick of the footy and it kind of has to be in that order. Um, if it gets changed a little, I can I can get a little antsy but I'm not too bad as long as I can have a bit of a run around with something that isn't cricket that really relaxes my mind. So you find actually stepping away from the sport is the best preparation for you? Yeah, definitely. I Well, I love AFL, um, South Australian, so it's kind of in our blood but I don't know, for me – we do cricket so much of our lives that I might as well do something different, especially on a day where you're already going to be wound up, maybe a little bit nervous. Um, Just having a kick of the footy kind of relaxes me, gives me a chance to kind of warm up, I guess, before the warm up. And speaking of nerves, how do you deal with something like that? You're obviously playing in a home World Cup. Um, How do you deal with the expectation, but also you've played in many World Cups before and no doubt going into a World Cup final, you've had those those pre-game jitters. How do you come there? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? How do you approach feeling nervous? I think nerves are great. I think um, if you're not nervous, you probably don't care enough. Um, but I just get over it. Like I do get very nervous, especially before a final or a semi-final or anything that's kind of crucial. Um, but it doesn't affect the way I play, I don't think. I think we can all get trapped in that little bubble a little bit of, shit, what am I going to do? Like I'm, my stomach feels sick, I have a headache, um, but you just have to find a way to get over that. And for me, as soon as I bowl that first ball, I'm okay. Um, but at the top of my mark for a semi or a final, I'm crapping myself and <laughs> I don't know, is the ball going to swing? And suddenly for the first ball, you kind of start doubting yourself. You go, oh, well, what if I can't land it? First ball, this is going to set the tone for the rest of the match. Or what if the ball doesn't swing? Or what if the pitch does this? And as soon as you get that first ball out of the way, well, for me, I'm, I'm settled. Um, but I think nerves are a good thing and it yeah, it just means that you care. And particularly being an opening bowler as well, like you said, you set the tone for the rest of the match and particularly T20 where it is often won or loss in the power play. Yeah, exactly. And that's what makes you nervous at the top <laughs> of your mark. You know, you've got – generally for me, I bowl at least two of my overs in the power play um, and they're 12 pretty crucial balls. So 
Um, and often I'm put at the end that's kind of into the breeze. So I've got the batters hitting with the breeze um, and they give beautiful Thanks, Tay yeah, a bit of pace behind her. Um, so I think, uh, you know, sometimes I have the stiff end of the job, but I kind of enjoy that because I know once again, the batters are going to be coming hard. They're going to try and use the power play to their advantage. So um, yeah, it's a really good challenge. How do you approach preparing tactically? Um, I know different different batters and different bowlers do different things but like you said sometimes your, uh, your good balls can get hit for four or six how do you approach um coming up against different batters just generally your own preparation um I do a bit of work with Ben uh Ben Sawyer our bowling coach he's extremely numbers based which I really enjoy because wagon wheels aren't for me the best perspective you know you can have a batter that they go oh all their runs are scored on the leg side and then you check the vision and they well they bowled on their legs for the whole day like of course all the runs are going to be on the leg side um so for me I like to go through the vision of the key players um basically I know that my basic plans are going to work against most um but then there's going to be you know those um those outstanding players that are going to be able to get on top of me so for players like you know Shmini Mandana for India, um, Adipadu for Sri Lanka, and, and mainly left-handers for myself, since I'm so used to bowling to righties, um, are generally the ones that take me down the most. So I do probably a bit more planning with them than I would with others. But it's pretty much coming up with well, my stock my stock plan doesn't really change. The plan A is always kind of the same with my length, my swing, um, looking to hit top or middle basically, and then. I need a plan B, C, D and E, pretty much, sometimes F. Um, <laughs> and I think you need that in T20 and it's just when, you know, it hits the fan and you need a plan B to go to, you know that you've planned for that. Um, you know that the captain's on board, you know that you've gone through these plans with your bowling coach. So I think for me, as long as I voice my plans and I have that reassurance, then I'm okay on a field to do that. Do you and Ben just look at the numbers um, or is there vision involved? What What is it that you prefer? Um, I prefer vision. Um, I don't mind numbers, but I prefer something like a pitch map um, and lengths and see where the lengths are more hitting them because I feel like today's batters are going more on length rather than than width and stuff like that. So I feel like we looked at Schmidt's numbers before that match and the lengths that she was hitting to the leg side, phenomenal. Like and it just shows obviously what nick she's in and where she's able to hit the ball. But we were saying, you know, if we bowl that little bit wider, then this is her, you know, strike rate and things like that. So I don't mind numbers, but I would prefer to visually watch it because then I can see how the bowlers reacted and I can see maybe a pre-step that batter's doing and, and the little things. I'm a real visual learner. Um, it's, I've kind of been that way with everything. How different is a World Cup um, from both a, a training and also it being home because I guess – a lot of your World Cups have actually been in the subcontinent in a, a very different environment. But then tactically, when you come up against a team, you're not necessarily going to face them again until potentially a final. That's the only other time that you're going to play them. Um, how do you look at, I guess, preparing for those matches and changing team to team, but then also revisiting potentially a game that you won or lost before a final? Yeah, um, that's where... the. Obviously, the World Cup's a bit different. You know, we've just had that tri-series where we've had the, the chance to kind of fix our plans that didn't go so right against that team. Um, we don't have that luxury in a World Cup. So I think that's when the preparation of plans is even more crucial. Um, we need to really make sure that as individuals, our roles are clear, absolutely clear. And because you're not going to have a second opportunity. And if you don't go past the group chain, uh, the group stage, then you definitely don't have another opportunity. So 
I think for us it's making sure that we go into every game knowing that we have individually prepared our plans and as well as knowing what the other bowlers are doing in your team helps and you can kind of remind them. Um, I think Ray Chains is really good at that. Sometimes she comes up to me and says, you know, we spoke about bowling this to this batter. Have you done that today? And I like, crap, I haven't. And all you need is a little reminder. So I think that's really all that changes for a World Cup is you're more prepared than you would because you don't have a second chance to fix things. And I guess going back a, a couple of steps, what's been the biggest thing that you've learnt um, about yourself since the start of your career, whether it be on or off the field, that's, I guess, got you to where you are today? A bit deep, a bit deep. Yeah, deep for the morning. Um, I think just trying to be a better person in a way. I think I was a bit of an idiot when I was younger, kind of did what I want and I didn't really care what other people thought and I always thought that that was a good way to be, you know. Um, But as I'm getting older and getting a bit softer in my old age and I guess, yeah, finding love and and just being comfortable in a team, I'm just realising that everything is better when you help other people or you put other people first and that kind of is on and off the field and I think we win so much because we do that quite well off the field. We're very good at putting each other first and that's what a good team does and and for me that's something I'm still growing in. Um, I've got a long way to go I think with being a bit more empathetic and things like that so um, yeah growing up as a person I think has helped me on the field. You have a lot of young girls looking up to players like yourself and there's obviously a lot of girls and boys that come and watch you guys play. What's a piece of advice that you'd give them um, if they want to play cricket at the elite level or another a potential athlete that wants to play another sport at the elite level? I think enjoy it and do the hard work. There are two things I did not do when I was younger. Um, I fluked my way to the top. I happened to get into the team when they needed an in-swinger and I definitely wasn't ready to be here. I took it all for granted, um, didn't believe in any of the sp- um, the conditioning and, and any of that kind of stuff when I first came in because I thought, well, it's just cricket. Why do I need to be good at lifting weights or why do I need to be good at running the 2K? And slowly, obviously, <laughs> as I evolved as a cricketer um, in the gym and on the running track, my cricket surprisingly got better. So I kind of learned pretty <laughs> quick that they were right and they're doing that for a reason. So that was the hard work aspect. I, I learned the hard way, which was a good way to go, I guess. Um, but also enjoying it. I stressed for the first few years I was in this team, um, even as a kid, when I was 13 or 14 and I wasn't making runs or taking wickets at club cricket, I would just stress and worry like, will I get picked in the state team for this? And as soon as I learned to let that go and go, well, stressing isn't going to make me perform. Um, the preparation and the enjoyment and the people I'm around are going to help me perform. So you just need to let that other stuff go and enjoy what you're doing. And finally, what does it take to win a World Cup final? Some good cricket, I think. Um, I don't know, T20s, it's really hard to say that. I think for us, we just need to fire on all cylinders. I think we know that if we are at 100%, we are playing the brand of cricket we want to and that's attacking with the bat and the ball and in the field and we haven't been up to scratch in that tri-series. We definitely were probably at like 70%, 75% and we know that um, and that's probably the good thing that we had such a tough tri-series to kind of expose our flaws at the time and now we've got time to fix that um, before our first match in the World Cup. So I think for us, as long as we play to our best of ability, um, hopefully that can take us all the way. Awesome. Well, good luck for the World Cup and thank you so much for, for giving us some of your time ahead of that really, really busy schedule. Thanks, Fels.
That was the last of our T20 World Cup episodes. I hope you enjoyed getting a bit of an insight into the Australian women's cricket team, both on and off the field. I've loved hearing some of your feedback over the last few weeks and the suggestions you've made for future guests on the Girls and Glory podcast. Keep them coming in. You can reach me on all of my social media channels and don't be afraid to leave a review. As cricket season comes to a close, we turn our attention to our AFLW girls. Keep an eye out for the episodes coming your way in the next few weeks. I'll see you then. 